Well, today is Mother's Day, and it is my privilege to bring up my fine wife, the mother of my five children. She'd like to say six and throw me in the mix, but yeah, she puts up with a lot from me, and I'm so proud of her. If you would come on up, she wants to share a word that God's given her. He's been moving in her heart. Just talk to you for the next few minutes. come up here and start something after that, but God is good. I'm so thankful to be here today. I want to again say happy Mother. You may be seated. Sorry. I want to again say happy Mother's Day to all the ladies in here. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. I love you dearly and could not do what I do without you and all of your help. Um, today I felt to speak to the mothers, but I want to point out that all of you ladies here today have at some point in your life had the opportunity to mother somebody, to mentor somebody or to reach out to somebody. You all have someone that looks up to you and needs your voice in their life. We often hear the stories of Moses preached and taught from Sunday school and beyond. He was a great leader, the greatest of all times. He led a million-plus people out of bondage. He established a nation. He did so many great things. He was born at what most would consider an, an opportune time, yet he still rose to great heights and is remembered today as one of the greatest men who ever lived. Why? Well, because God is faithful and had purpose for his life, but also because he had a mother who was not afraid to do what was right. Jochebed is her name. We don't hear about her as often. I can remember stories from Sunday school about the mom that put her baby in the water. Um, but I don't know that I remembered her name from Sunday school. So you kids in here, Jochebed is the mother of Moses. If we have our quiz on that someday, you will know. Um, she has been on my heart this week as I've been thinking about Mother's Day. And she is more than just a mom that put her baby in a basket. She loved her son, she prayed, and she trusted God. Jochebed was married to Amram. They had Aaron and Miriam, and she, was, she had found herself pregnant again. I can imagine all the feelings she had, um, a new baby and all the joys and emotions that come with that. Would this new child be a boy or a girl? Today, most people have their preferences, what they would wish for. Most just want a healthy baby. But for Jochebed, it was different. A girl meant a sister for Aaron and Miriam to grow up with, but a boy meant something completely different. Pharaoh had ordered all the baby boys to the, born to the Hebrews to be thrown into the Nile and killed. He was afraid that the Hebrew slave population was growing too quickly and that they would overthrow their captors, and uh, he was working to control the population. Exodus 2 and 2 says, When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. A beautiful child. What mother doesn't look at their baby at birth and fall completely in love? How heartbreaking to lay eyes on him, though, for Jochebed and know that he was marked for death. Those three months could not have been easy. I can't imagine hiding a newborn. Um, <laughs> they're not very quiet. Um, she had lots of things to be scared of. Every time he cried, would somebody hear him? When there was a knock at the door, was someone coming to take her child from her? 
as people passed by, would they somehow discover her baby boy, but she trusted God anyways. She was determined to raise her child in a world that wanted him dead. The Bible tells us when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in reeds by the river's bank. That river was where babies, all the babies were born, were meant to die. Jochebed, she wrapped her baby in protection and placed him there to live. It's hard to imagine her so carefully crafting this basket, knowing that she couldn't pick him up anymore every time he cried, wanting him, she wanted him to be discovered by someone else to love, care for, and believe in him. She chose life for him, knowing that this life meant that he would be out of her control. I'm sure many tears were shed and many prayers were prayed as she wove that basket. Keep my baby, God. When you pour yourself into your children, you trust God, and God will not forsake you. Moses was discovered not just by anyone, but by Pharaoh's daughter. Who better to assure this baby's safety than the daughter of the man wanting him dead? Jochebed had sent his sister Miriam to watch at a distance to make sure he would be okay if anything bad should happen. And as she watched Pharaoh's daughter discover her baby brother, she took the opportunity to approach and ask her, shall I go and call a nurse? Jochebed's prayer had been answered. God placed Pharaoh's daughter in the right place at the right time. Miriam asked the right questions, and Pharaoh's daughter readily agreed. Jochebed could now nurse and raise Moses in safety with the approval and protection of Pharaoh's house. Um, at most, she probably had him four years. Those four years would change him for the rest of his life. As we have heard many times this last month, those four years are very formidable for, we know that for him. I'm sure she took every opportunity to pray, to whisper in his ears, this is not who you are, Moses. You are loved. You are a child of God. You are not one of them. Moses was not old enough to remember most of this from that time, but God remembered, and he honored every word and every prayer, every action that she took to protect him. God remembered. We don't know how long Jochebed lived. We don't know if Moses ever came around to visit her again once she dropped him off. I can imagine she tried keeping tabs on him from afar, continuing to pray every day, God, keep my son. Protect him, Lord. Let him remember who he is. We do know that Moses knew he wasn't an Egyptian. We know he chose the Hebrews over the Egyptians in a moment of crisis. We also know that he knew who his family was. So how does this apply to us today? We live in a messed up world that is working hard to suppress Christianity and godly living. It is okay for people to say they believe in God, but when they say they believe in the Bible, well, it conflicts with the teachings of our society. This ungodly society is afraid of the values of Jesus. As moms, we teach them anyways. We aren't crafting physical baskets to place them in a river, but we are wrapping them in prayer and spiritual protection, whispering to them as we live out our day-to-day -day lives, this world is not your home. You are not one of them. We are chosen. We are his. You are loved. We send them to school wrapped in this protection of prayer. We send them out of our homes as adults wrapped in this protection of prayer. Instead of the river of this world destroying them, they will not only survive, but they will change the lives of others. 
Often, they will be out of our control, but they are never out of God's control. They will face crisis in life, and one day they will have to make decisions. But like Moses, they will remember who they are because of the determination of a mother not to let her children die in a world filled with danger. The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy, but God has come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God would never leave Moses as he doubted his own abilities. God never doubted him. Exodus 3.12 tells us that God said, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. What a promise that those words are. It was the same promise that I'm sure sustained Jochebed when she allowed her heart to be ripped into two as she placed her son in the care of another woman. It was the promise that sustained Moses as he faced down Pharaoh and led the Hebrews out of bondage. It is the same promise that we as moms can hold on to today. God will certainly be with us, with our children. We have a certainty that God will never leave our children, even when, they are no lo- when we are no longer alive to see them, even when they slip and fall, when they make decisions that we so wish they wouldn't make. Our prayers live on. They are stored in vials in heaven, and they are continually before God. The power of a mother's love and prayers is not limited to geographical distance, life circumstances, or a moment in time. We don't know everything that Jochebed did, but we know that she had faith. She was determined to help her baby survive, and as a result, he would never forget who he was. And one day, he would answer the call of God on his life, even though he was far from home. Jochebed missed out on a lot that most mothers take for granted. But she was not a failure as a woman or a mother. She loved completely, passionately, selfishly, enough to give up the object of her love to achieve a higher purpose. The God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac looked down on her sacrifice and smiled. Jochebed was a good mother indeed. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Sister Alicia sharing your heart and the word of the Lord. Amen. Wasn't that beautiful? Praise God. Praise God. I want to take us to the book of Hebrews. And you don't have to stand. You can remain seated. Um, But as you're turning to Hebrews 11, I'm holding a testimony. Sister Kelly uh, wrote this down, and I won't read all of it, but, but the essence of it is that she was praying for a job, and some others prayed with her. And God has given her a job. Amen. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And for just a few moments, I want to just speak on this subject, ordinary women with an extraordinary testimony. I did not know what Sister Alicia was going to share or that she was going to refer to Jochebed who uh, is implicitly referred to here in Hebrews 11. But I want to share with you today uh, some things that God has has given me uh, to follow up with that as well. In this hall of faith, as I call it, Hebrews 11, Sarah and Rahab are mentioned by name. Noah's wife and other wives Uh, are mentioned by implication, as well as other women who the Bible says receive their dead uh, to raise to life again. These and the unknown women 
of Hebrews 11, as well as all of Scripture, were ordinary women with an extraordinary testimony. We know from the text that I read that faith is a substance. It's the confidence or the firm trust, the assurance that we have in God. That's what the word substance means there. It's why Satan attacks our faith. In fact, a few years ago, I preached a message called substance abuser, accusing Satan of being a substance abuser. In other words, abusing our faith. He wants to take away our faith. Faith is also evidence. It's the evidence of things not seen. Through faith, we see the miracle before it happens. And as Alicia mentioned, Jochebed, in some sense, saw that there was a future and, and obeyed and trusted God. The word evidence means proof that the thing uh, by which a thing is proved or tested. So on this Mother's Day, I intend to share with you just a few accounts of a few ordinary women who had extraordinary faith. Now, not all of them were mothers. At least the Bible doesn't tell us they were mothers or as vague as to whether or not they were. In fact, only two that I'm using are explicitly, explicitly revealed to be moms. While we don't know all of their history, I've researched all the reputable sources I could come across to determine as much accurate information as possible to help us to learn some things from these ordinary women. The first is Mary Magdalene. She was bound by seven demons. But I want you to notice I just said she was. Hallelujah. To this point, I love how the Chosen series has had Mary state it. And if you're familiar with that series, she says these words, I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Mary was one of the few to be at the cross with Jesus. When Peter and John left the empty tomb, Mary lingered and was the first to see the risen Savior. This also means she was the first to declare the truth of His resurrection as she was the first eyewitness to see Jesus alive. You can find that record in John 20, 1-18. Now neither the Bible nor historical records indicate whether or not she ever married or had children. Some suggest that her past may have prohibited her from marrying or wanting children, but without biblical evidence, we cannot know for certain. But this we do know, she has left an impact on Christianity ever since. And so what we can learn from Mary Magdalene is that when God forgives, heals, and delivers you from so much, you can't help but serve Him faithfully to the end. It's interesting that her name, Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala, it was a place, a, a, a part of Galilee where she lived. Magdala means watchtower. And I believe it gives us a glimmer of hope that we too can leave a sinful past and that our future can become a watchtower for God's mercy to the next generation. The second ordinary woman I want to bring up to your attention today is Mary of Bethany. This was the sister of Martha and, the, and Lazarus. We know a little of her story due to the fact that Jesus raised her brother from the dead. And like Mary Magdalene, other than that, little is known of her life or death. But we do know these facts. She was a devoted follower of Jesus. She lacked faith and did not understand why Jesus had allowed her brother to die. But she would also turn and before his death, she would anoint his feet with oil from her alabaster box. 
We also know this, that the alabaster box was the equivalent of a year's worth of wages. And when she poured it upon Jesus' feet and, and cried and then dried his feet with her hair, Jesus said these words in Matthew 26, 13, that wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. You could smell the beautiful fragrance of that alabaster box in the room that day. You could smell it all the way to Calvary. Even though Jesus had bled, even though Jesus had sweat, amen, he could still smell that sweet fragrance as could the soldiers who pounded the spikes through his feet. It's no doubt that that smell went with him into the tomb. But I'm here to tell you the fragrance of Mary's sacrifice did not only fill the room that day, it continues to fill the world to this day. Sister Janice Jostrand wrote the song that C.C. Winan sings about Mary's alabaster box and the cost of praise. History is vague as to whether Mary of Bethany ever married or bore children. But she speaks to both men and women to this day these following lessons. Even if you struggle with your faith as Mary did and wonder why God let your brother die. Be sure that the last thing you do and is recorded of you is that you pour oil on his feet. Mary of Bethany teaches us it's okay to be human and have doubts. So long as you don't let those define you. She's not defined by her doubt. She's defined by the fact that she sacrificed a year's worth of wages to pour an alabaster box of oil upon the only one worthy of glory. The next three ladies, I'm going to put them together. It's Junia, Phoebe, and Priscilla. Now, we know from Scripture that both Junia and Priscilla were married, but there's no mention of children. It's also unknown if Phoebe was. Some think it odd, maybe on this Mother's Day, that I keep using women that we don't know whether or not they got married or have children. But as you heard Alicia say, and as my wife testified just earlier, and as they've stated eloquently in years past, we're honoring bio moms and foster moms and fur baby moms and moms. And I'm not saying that to be funny, but we're honoring all of moms today in various ways. And as my wife pointed out, those that don't have their mothers, we're honoring you and the, the memory of that loss. And some of us, may not have a good memory of a mother who may not have loved us or we're honoring you we're honoring all in a moment i will show you two moms who did have children so we'll get to a real mom here in a minute we can prove biblically but for the moment let's let's take a look at these three junia along with her husband andronicus is mentioned in romans 6 verse 7 paul calls them her and her husband both, his fellow kinsmen and fellow prisoners, and that they were well known among the apostles. Her name means youthful. This could speak to the energetic mindset that she employed as she faithfully reserved the kingdom of God no matter the cost. Now, there's no other scripture and no other historical reference made of her or her husband, but we can learn this, that she was faithful despite circumstances such as imprisonment. That she had a youthful energy about her despite the fact that she might have also shared a cell with her husband and or maybe Paul. Paul mentions Phoebe 
in Romans 16, 1 and 2, explaining that she was a deaconess or a servant. We would say a deaconess today, maybe in our lingo. Many scholars believe that she also hand-delivered Paul's letters to the Romans. Her name means radiant. This could indicate that she fulfilled her duties with a great sense of joy, that there was always a smile on her face. And again, whether she was married, widowed, or ever had children is unknown. But this brief mention of her in the Bible, we can understand that she helped so many, not just Paul. And we can learn from Phoebe that we can use what we have to support the advancement of the kingdom of God. You know, I may never have my name on a Hollywood star or in who's who. I may never get invited to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom at the White House. I may never know famous people. But if my name is recorded in the book of life, that's what I'm looking for. And that's what it appears Phoebe did. And Priscilla, the next of these ordinary women, she's mentioned in Acts chapter 18. And in Romans 16 as well. From the Bible and the historical record, it's clear that she joined her husband Apollos in teaching the way more perfectly. And I I would have to assume others as well. They also planted churches. We can find this from history. And joined Paul in spreading the gospel. They were tent makers, just like Paul was. And so there was a common bond between them. Oddly enough, Romans 16 lists her before her husband. And the reason that's odd is the biblical culture was a male-centric culture mentioning the husband first. But in this case, she's mentioned first. And her name also means ancient, which at first you might think that means old or elder. But it may lead to the fact that she was of noble birth. Again, we don't know these things exactly for sure, but some historical records that are reputable seem to suggest so. If this is true, she did not let her affluence go to her head and realized, I have something I can do to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ along with my husband. And we can learn from Priscilla that regardless of what success we have in this life, it's temporal. It'll all be over. But the greatest treasure is the one that's eternal. The final two ladies I want to speak to you about today are ladies by the name of Lois and Eunice. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, the Bible says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, Paul is speaking to Timothy, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it is in thee also. We know from Acts 16 that Paul's father was a Greek unbeliever. But Timothy's mother Eunice and grandmother Lois imparted truth to Timothy, much like we heard Jochebed imparting truth to her son Moses. Otherwise, Paul could not have said that Timothy had known the Scriptures from an early age or from childhood. And we find that in 2 Timothy 3.15. So somewhere, a mom and a dad said, it doesn't matter what my husband is doing or not doing, I'm going to teach my son the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I speak to some single parents for a minute and tell you, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, but if you'll invest the time to invest the Word in your children... There will be dividends to pay in the future in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. 
Timothy would go on to pastor the church of Ephesus and would appoint elders both there and in other churches to send them abroad, planting and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide. Therefore, the investment of this mom and grandmother is paying eternal dividends to this very day. Lois, Timothy's grandmother, means agreeable. There's no mention of her husband. It's possible he died before Paul met Timothy, or it could mean he was also a Greek unbeliever like Timothy's dad. But regardless, she becomes agreeable to God's way and raised her daughter in unfeigned faith. Because remember, Paul said, I see it in your grandmother and your mother. So, so mom said, it doesn't matter what I have to go through, whether I'm widowed or whatever, I'm passing it on to my daughter. And she passed it on to her son. we got at least three generations here of unfeigned faith. Eunice, Timothy's mom, means victory. So despite her unbelieving Greek husband, she attained victory by passing on an unfeigned faith from her mom to her son. By the way, unfeigned means undisguised or genuine and not hypocritical and is used six different times in the New Testament. So we can learn from Lois and Eunice that regardless of what a spouse does or doesn't do, you can make an eternal investment in your children. For the past 136 years, the majestic statue Liberty Enlightening the World has towered above Bedloe Island near the entrance to New York Harbor. It's a symbol of freedom, which we enjoy here in the United States of America. If you've ever been there and seen it in person, it's quite a sight. The famous sculptor who created it, Bartoldi, gave 20 years of devoted effort and work and personally superintended the raising of money of $4 million, of which the French nation then, of course, gave that statue to the United States. When the money wasn't always coming in or lagged, Bartolti wound up pledging his own private fortune to defray the costs and nearly impoverished himself in the work. As he began the process of sculpting this Lady Liberty, he looked for a model whose form and features he could reproduce. He received, of course, much contradictory counsel. One of the leading art authorities achieved, or excuse me, advised him that the statue should depict figures of thought which are grand in themselves and studying history and looking at all the different women that he could have used. After examining all the outstanding heroes of history to that point, Baltoldi finally chose as a model for this colossal masterpiece his own mother. So when you look at the picture of Lady Liberty, you're seeing Bartoldi's mom. Today, mom, I know you're going to be watching this, if not already, so I say to you, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for teaching me to love and value the Word of God, loving it above all else. Your investment is paying dividends. Ma, I know you're probably watching too. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for raising children that put God first. Your love extends to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren who walk in truth today. Shannon, I know you feel odd today that your mom's in Maine, your son's in Missouri, and your daughter's somewhere on crowd tour. <laughs> but happy Mother's Day, Braxton Brooks' mom. She's had that email forever. 
I tease her. I, I, I'm not saying this. This is not passive-aggressive. Her, her email's not Myron's wife. It's Braxton Brooks' mom, just so you know. And, and again, I don't care. I'm, I'm really not. But it shows her love for her children. And like your mom, Shannon, you're passing on an unfeigned faith to our children. I love you always. To all of our ladies, again, bio moms, foster moms, fur baby moms, happy Mother's Day to all of you. My wife and Alicia have got something that we're going to give all of our ladies. So if we could have all of our ladies stand, and why don't we give them another great big hand? Come on, let's honor all of our moms. Moms online, we honor you. Happy Mother's Day. And now as moms are standing, why don't we pray? If, if you can reach over and you know, touch your wife or mom, let's go ahead and pray for our moms right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for every mom. Lord, that's here in person, every mom that's watching, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless them, strengthen them, encourage them, build them, Lord. Let them pass on that unfeigned faith. Let them be like Jochebed to pass on a love for your word in a Moses, in an Aaron, in a Miriam. We pray today in the name of Jesus that these things would be accomplished for your glory and we give you all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.